support this show and all of the work in the Heartland Pod universe by going to heartlandpod.com and clicking the Patreon link to sign up. Membership starts at a dollar a month and goes up from there with extra shows and special access at the higher levels. Heartlandpod.com. Click the Patreon link or just go to Patreon and search for the Heartland Pod. No matter the level you choose, your membership helps us create these independent shows as we work together to change the conversation. All right, welcome back for uh, talking politics here on the Heartland Pod. This is Adam Summer. I am your one of your hosts, one of your co-hosts. Sean Diller is here with me as well. Sean, man, how you doing? How was the week and uh, what you sipping on? I am uh, doing well, doing well. Thanks so much. I've got some uh, coffee I brewed about four hours ago, of course. Nice. Um, and yeah, the week was good. I'm trying to think of really... Anything monumental that happened, I uh, I redid the stain on this really shitty looking uh, picnic table that's been sitting <laughs> in our deck. <laughs> so, that felt good. Um, that's a good week when that when a standout moment is like a good dull house project. That means you just had a you know, right? Just a week, just a chill week. That's not and a like, bad thing. Like all staining projects, it's like I've been meaning to do it for a really really long time. Right. Um, and the deck's just been or the little table's just been looking. Uh, you know, we get a lot of hail and then sun and wet in Colorado. It just looks terrible. Um, but yeah, and then I made some ribs too on Friday. Six hours. Nice. Um, dry rub. Yeah. Tis How the about season. you? Love the dry rub. Uh, doing doing pretty good. Uh, had an insane week. Uh, I'm sipping on water. Uh, we had uh, one of my business partners at the law firm had some health issues. And so uh, uh, doing, doing good. But anytime you have something like that unexpected at a, you know, we're just insanely busy all the time. So it's uh, the the analogy uh, that I think says it best is like, you know, if you're talking about like race cars on a racetrack, like you don't have to put a cow on the racetrack. You just have to put a little bit of sand. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's all right. it takes. Yeah. And so, so we run pretty fast. And so, yeah, all it takes is a little bit of sand, but this was, this was quite a bit of sand. So, uh, but we got through the week and uh, had a good family uh, weekend. Benjamin, our oldest, our eight-year-old, was in a musical. He was in Shrek the Musical locally at a theater company that he's uh, in. And actually, everybody but me takes some kind of lesson uh, at this place. <laughs> it's a family affair. Uh, but he got to be in the musical, and uh, it was great. It's uh, It was really impressive. It was all like 18 and under was the entire cast. And... Uh, just incredible quality and they did four shows you know they had three shows in 24 hours and like i'd think it back like i mean i was in a ton of stuff you know when we were in high school and like i never did three shows in 24 hours like full length shows yeah. like it was crazy that's that's pretty wild did he do like uh did he have a good amount of lines and they do costumes and makeup and all that kind yeah of stuff? it was it was the real deal it was wow. it was the full thing he uh he had a, he was in several songs and uh, he's the actually is the first person on the stage because it's Shrek, and so he played little little Junior Shrek at the beginning for this little uh, scene. So it was he was very pumped, and he you know worked his heart out, and uh, it was really really cool to uh, to get to watch and to share that with him. So uh, just a reminder to folks: this is our Monday show, our talking politics show. So we get this is kind of the long form 
uh, where we will take a look locally, regionally, and and we'll zoom out broad to look at everything. You can catch more regional and local stuff on our other shows, especially the Friday show with Kevin Smith, the flyover view. That's where you're going to get the most truly regional look. Uh, of course, Jess Piper's got Dirt Road Democrat, and uh, sometimes she talks national. Sometimes she'll dig right into Missouri. So uh, that that's where we're going to start on today's show is here in Missouri. And uh, let me give you one of these first. Talking politics. All right. So here in Missouri, uh, we are going to start with a true false question. And the true false is uh, this, Sean, which is the Missouri's uh, Attorney General, Andrew Bailey, the uh, appointed in a a series of uh, appointed attorney generals, uh, that he is essentially trying to win the game on one play. uh, And in the process, he has shown the GOP's actual desperation to avoid abortion in 2024 as an issue. So to bring folks up to speed here in Missouri, we have the ballot initiative process. And uh, that was a a big thing on the table for the 2023 cycle for the Missouri Republicans who have a supermajority and could have passed whatever the hell they wanted, but didn't. Uh, and Governor Shirley would have signed uh, that and they, they just didn't. So uh, other places were trying to do it. Ohio was trying to do it. Uh, I think there were there was a couple of others, but Ohio was the one that was really, really the hottest that I recall. Um, and so the, the the question, you know, why? Why is this happening? Well, there's the abortion is a reason. Ballot access is a reason. But uh, the real hyper local reason is uh, we got ourselves a primary and that starts with P and uh, that's already a P and that stands for pool. So there's <laughs> trouble, trouble, trouble in Jefferson city for Andrew Bailey, because he's got a challenger named Will Scharf who uh, aside from his hair has a very impressive resume when compared to Mr. Bailey's, who's got a a much better head of hair than Mr. Scharf's. But all of that aside, uh, we have a primary. So Bailey's got to play those games. And on top of that, that broader picture of the GOP uh, with the polling issues on abortion. And meanwhile, if you look nationally, the Biden camp has, you know, fashioned essentially a spear out of the issue uh, of abortion. So what happened was there is a group that is putting a ballot initiative together for 2024 for Missouri to put uh, abortion on the ballot as an issue, a pro-abortion ballot measure. Uh, The attorney general's office made a cost estimate that the Republican secretary of state said basically called bullshit. It was just like, nope, that's not right. Uh, Secretary of State was very correct, uh, Scott Fitzpatrick, and Attorney General essentially got his hand caught in the cookie jar, and then when he tried to pull it out, it got caught again and again and again and again, and now he is trying to play games essentially with court filings. Uh, The ACLU, the Missouri Independent has some great reporting on this, and one of the headlines literally is ACLU calls shenanigans on Missouri AG's refusal to follow court order. He was ordered to to, uh, within 24 hours to provide the certification language. Uh, He failed to do so. He filed an appeal. uh, And Chuck Hatfield, a very smart uh, Missouri lawyer who does a lot of stuff involving the state government, uh, he basically said there's no precedent for this. So we're in uncharted waters. And it's just kind of a wild thing. So, Sean, uh, pick it up from there. Uh, what do you take from this? And and what do you think about the, uh, the you know, the true false question about Bailey's essentially? I, I look at this as like these, you're down 14 and like try to score a 100 yard touchdown. It's not worth more points. Right. Yeah. So I dig the premise. I see what you're saying. And I I think it's good because I am going to say false. 
Um, uh, I don't think he's trying to, I think he is wanting to stretch this out as long as possible and kind of like Eric Schmidt, you know, the lawsuits were all stupid right. and they were like literally dismissed almost all of them. Right. Right. And like he was suing like lots of different schools for the same thing. Um, even though obviously it was going to end up being like a statewide issue, which it right. was, and he had no authority to do that. And so in right. the exact same vein, <laughs> this attorney general is trying to slow down the process of getting this ballot language and the initiative approved for the signature gathering to begin. So yeah. we're just at the very beginning of this. And it's uh, the secretary of state is John is Jay Ashcroft. He had the first step and he, I sorry, guess, the treasurer is what I meant to say earlier. And I said Patrick. secretary of state. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I think now he's the auditor Fitzpatrick, former erstwhile treasurer. Now? Yeah. Now auditor. And that's why all <laughs> these guys are at each other's throat is like, they're all statewide Republicans who You're right. Want... He is the auditor right now and he's running for, yeah, that's, yeah. God. Yeah. I got to write it down know. every time or I, I mix, <laughs> mix them all up because they do all start to just run together. Like, like you say, like it's like this mishmash of just ladder climbing right uh, on each other's backs, basically. Yeah. And so like the auditor. So as his part in the in getting an initiative to the ballot is the auditor is supposed to come up with a fiscal yeah. summary. And uh, the auditor said this isn't going to really have much. You know, if we ensure there is rights, no fiscal impact. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like in the real world, like, you know, when we have abortion rights, the state spends less money, especially on the, you know, pregnancies and like births of people who are not fit to parent or even, you know, that that would have been able to access services before then. Right. Now there's all these pregnancies and all these uh, right, even just the, the health issues, right, that are that are labeled as abortions. And so right. there's there's. That's cost. Medicaid, tons of money. Right. right. And so they came. So the auditor says there's not going to be a fiscal impact. The AG says, no, 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 no. I think it's going to be in the trillions because right. and I guess Green County said uh, they came up with their own bogus number. They said, if we enshrine abortion rights in the Constitution, it's going to cost us 50 grand because of the lost economic activity of the 135 future citizens who will not be born. Yeah. And so our it's going to be a drag on the economy to the tune of $50,000. Yeah. Uh, they probably didn't see the part where people are actually moving out of Missouri. So Right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Places that have about rights. Those 150 people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The states with abortions have like millions and millions more like New York. Right. <laughs> anyway. Well, and people but... are going there for services too. Right. I mean, people right. are traveling uh, and you know, it's, 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 Similar, it is not the same issue, but there's a similarity to like, right, the Missouri legislature won't pass a gambling bill, right? But all of the states pretty much bordering Missouri have gambling, right? It's like the states that like Kansas won't pass a marijuana bill. Well, they're, they're bordered by Colorado, uh, Missouri and Oklahoma, where weed is super legal. Um <laughs> Right. Know, like their biggest borders, probably Oklahoma and Nebraska and Oklahoma, if well, maybe Missouri. But, uh, you know, they're basically surrounded by legal marijuana. And meanwhile, there they are. Right. So, so you've got this. This happens in places. But the the difference is I travel to Kansas place a couple of bets. OK, even if I don't, I haven't. What have I really lost? Right. Gambling is not right. a right. Right. Smoking marijuana is not a right. Um, Health care. 
life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, you know, the healthcare certainly is a much bigger deal than whether or not I can place a future bet on the Chiefs to go back to back in the Super Bowl or not. Yeah. No, totally. And the, you know, the the billion, like I think Bailey threw out one number of twelve and a half billion dollars in like the some kind of Medicaid funding that he put together some house of cards argument. Yeah. Uh, not the TV show, but just a really shitty, flimsy <laughs> argument that you could blow down. Although um, the, the further that show got, the flimsier and shittier right, it got. So right. actually, that's a pretty good. Uh... <laughs> but he wants to actually extrapolate that the Green County thing right. to every county in the state and right. say it's going to be trillions of dollars in lost revenue. And really, that's that's how I know that he's wanting to make it political. He's wanting to politicize this issue, this issue, and he's wanting to be seen as the more pro-life guy so that he can you know, be the more, it's a right wing primary and like right. the safest way to win this primary. If you are Will Scharf or Andrew Bailey, you know, probably would be to be the pro-life candidate. It's like an Iowa presidential caucus or like, right. you know, this is a right wing uh, primary in a red state. So they're maneuvering and that's you be uh, more pro-life. Yeah. And really, Which I just wanted to say very difficult. It feels like a light switch issue to me. Yeah. And I just want to correct something I said before about like, when I said like folks, you know, fitness, you know, and abortion and fitness of parenting and pregnancy right. and stuff, I just meant like medically risky, right. complicated pregnancies right. that will be extremely expensive because of how awful the outcomes often are. That's right. what I'm talking. I'm not right. casting right. aspersions on parents who seek an abortion. Right. No, I, I, yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. So that's, that's what's going on. Um, we'll see. I don't expect that this is going to go anywhere. Uh, further than this, I think that uh, the Missouri courts are going to uh, basically slap this down immediately. There's a chance that the attorney general could be found to be in contempt for failure to comply with the court's order of 24 hours. Uh, if that happens, the ACLU could get some attorney's fees out of the states. And you want to talk about fiscally irresponsible. He actually could wind up costing the state money uh, for this action and attorney's fees for the ACLU. And uh, trust me, they know how to get those. Yeah, and they should the courts should smack this guy early and hard because he is trying to, you know, there are Republicans in Missouri who were saying like, who know the process and who have been around for decades. There's never been a situation where the AG has refused to certify right. the auditor's fiscal assessment of a right. ballot initiative and therefore stalled the process of the right. citizens pushing the ballot initiative. Cause that's also in the constitution that we're supposed to be able to do that. Right. So right. this guy sucks. Yeah, it's it's in all the constitutions. But <laughs> all right, well let's uh, let's move on here. Yeah, no, yeah. We've got a yeah, no, and uh, this one's not a super long one. It's I think it sets itself up uh, sets itself up very nicely. Uh, new McCarthyism erased from existence. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is out there talking about how. The House Republicans are going to expunge Trump's two impeachments uh, like it never happened. Uh, so like in Missouri, when marijuana became uh, legal, expungement started happening. And in fact, I can tell you for sure, because I've got some old cases with folks that had charges where I was the lawyer on the case. And I've seen those come through where it boop, boop, boop. And I get the emails and so-and-so's record's been expunged and sealed and off it goes. Uh they're trying to do that with Trump's uh, uh, impeachment. So I guess so that uh, Joe Biden can't say twice impeached. He has to say twice impeached and yet expunged uh, on the campaign trail. I, I don't know. It just feels like a big yeah, no to me. 
Yeah, it is really funny because if they think that people are going to stop describing Trump as twice impeached and twice indicted now yeah. also, uh, yeah, we're not going to stop saying that because they did happen. Yeah. And it's also really funny because like just recently, McCarthy told his fellow House Republicans to tap the brakes on their stupid Biden impeachment right. ideas. Right. And so is this like... <laughs> conciliatory like offering to them yeah uh, you guys stop doing the biden impeachment stuff and i'll let you do the unimpeachment of right Trump. we're not going to pass any bills protecting americans right to a gas stove or any other bills at all so let's do something that will be very complicated and slow and no one will uh and doesn't no matter if we pass it anyway right yeah, exactly. yeah everybody can come to the microphone and do five minutes and get your sound bite and try to get on the news and yeah yeah no that's that's precisely it well, that was enough of that. Okay, let's move on to <laughs> <laughs> something of some substance here. All right, the buy sell, and uh, yeah, that, that's why we have a guy like Sean uh, because when you're trying to host the show and go through it, and then you get all those offices confused, you have to have a guy like Sean there who just has that stuff at the tip of the tip of his fingers. Uh, so the buy sell, the Scottish Scotus immigration ruling. Man, I am having trouble getting the the words together. Scottish <laughs> can't can't get it, can't get it. All right, Scotus immigration ruling, and twenty twenty four, um, basically buy or sell that this immigration uh, policy and this issue is going to have a major impact on twenty twenty four. Um, the basics are, this is from the NPR story. Uh, this is a, just a tight part of it that I think summarizes it well. The case concerned the Biden administration's attempt to set guidelines for whom immigration authorities can target for arrest and deportation. Texas and Louisiana sued to block the guidelines, arguing that they were preventing immigration authorities from doing their jobs. The Supreme Court held a vote of eight to one that the states lacked standing to challenge the guidelines in the first place. Writing for the majority, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, uh, noted right-wing justice, uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh described the legal challenge before the court as, quote, an extraordinarily unusual lawsuit. Uh, I tend to agree with that. Uh, if you take it further, however, uh, GOP voters basically in every state think that immigration is a major issue. Uh, there's some Gall good Gallup polling uh, with details that I've dropped in the show notes and Essentially, there's a plurality on on the issue of immigration. There is not a majority position of good, bad, or up, down, or less, or more, or whatever. But 38% basically say we should have less. 31% say we should have more. And uh, something like 33 or something like that percent say, yeah, whatever, just leave it the way it is. So uh, that's what's going on. Uh, in the bigger picture, here in Missouri, uh, Parson in 2022 proposed an immigration strike force, which I think is just... Hilarious. I love when guys like that who like <laughs> like the idea of Governor Parson putting on a strike force jacket is just it tickles me. Oh know? God. And he did it about immigration? Yeah. Oh God. I know, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Uh and then if you go to Josh Hawley's uh website, which I certainly am not necessarily recommending uh by any means, but it's actually George Hawley. Yeah. It is. Um, so if you go to his website, you'll see uh, he has 10 separate news items 
in the last two years where he's either introducing legislation or doing some kind of a press conference, whatever it is, 10 times in the last two years, he's done something uh, where he's got some media coverage on immigration. Uh, you know, they say every state's a border state and and things like that. So what do you think, Sean, buy or sell it that, that this issue is not going anywhere for 2024. It's just sort of going to be there in that like five to six range of like important issues for people. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because immigration has long been the most important issue for a plurality of Republican right. voters. Um, and Trump, um, in contrast with previous, uh, you know, losing GOP nominees was really aggressively anti-immigrant. It was the first um, thing he did, right? I mean, literally came exactly. down the staircase and called Mexicans rapists. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, since then, the idea of just loyalty to Trump on its own has kind of like become a really important issue right. in the Republican primary. So that's what I'm like thinking about. Um, but... I don't think it's going anywhere on the Republican side. And I think it is going to be a drag. It's going to continue to be a drag on their national prospects. You know, I think it was a fluke that Trump won in 2016. He lost the popular vote, as we should all continue to remind ourselves. Right. Um, and then Joe Biden flipped five states and yeah. got seven or eight million more votes than 8. Trump. Point three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think it's a loser for the Republicans. And I think that's why leading Republicans like George W. Bush and John McCain wanted to pass comprehensive immigration reform. Right. The DREAM Act, I'm pretty sure, I don't think it passed the U.S. Senate, but it came up to a vote in the full Senate um, and it was filibustered. So anyway, it has support and independents support sane immigration policy. And so I think this is a, you know, a slap, the the Supreme Court smacking a couple of red state governors mm -hmm. because, you know, it takes me back to like, you know, some of the civic stuff, not even law school, but like ninth grade civics, you know, it's right. like, you can't really get the court you know, the, the executive branch gets to enforce the law, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, so, it, you're right. It is a perfect like box theory, right? The legislature makes the law. The judiciary interprets the law when there are questions and conflicts and the executive uh, enforces the law. And that's immigration policy is standard law enforcement, right? It's federal law enforcement. Right, right. And you can't force the executive branch to make more arrests. Right. You know, you can Which force specifically them specifically what Kavanaugh wrote. Right, right. Like you can you can force the executive branch. We have like all these cases on regulation like that that apply the Chevron doctrine, right? And it's like, is the APA going outside of their congressional authority in making these rules that regulate, that constrain business? And then the court yeah. will say, yes, that's too far. You can't regulate people without congressional authority. This is different. This is suing the administration saying, no, you need to arrest more people. for affirmative action. Right. Yeah. And the court is saying like, no, you can't sue us and tell us that we can somehow make ICE make more arrests. Right. Stupid. Right. You know. Yeah. And uh, Alito <laughs> descended. It's it's an interesting setup of, uh, you know, I, I've talked about this before on the show and uh, the way that Alito writes his dissent here. He's the only dissent, um, which I'd love to see more of those. 
Uh, <laughs> trust me, folks. If Alito's on the descent, you're Clarence you're probably Thomas, a happy, yeah, happy camper. Was with the uh, Biden administration, and you weren't uh, Alito. But anyway, which go is ahead. interesting yeah. <laughs> because Alito's reasoning is actually very Thomas-like. Uh, like basically, I mean, he made it up. <laughs> no, it's 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 the so it's the classic Jeffersonian Hamiltonian debate of the strong executive versus the congressional prerogative. Right? Does the executive have the broader authority or oh, is, that's it, right. is it a, a smaller authority and is it a state's rights issue? You know, should states be in control? It's classic Jefferson Hamilton. That's basically, you know, it's the foundation of the federal government, right? Is the fight between Jefferson and Hamilton on the scope and breadth of the executive. And that was basically what it all came down to. And, uh, Alito said sweeping executive power endorsed by today's decision may be at first warmly received by champions of a strong presidential power, but a presidents can expand their power as far as they can manage in a test of strength with Congress. Presumably Congress can cut executive power as much as it can manage by wielding the formidable weapons at its disposal. And then he says that can't be the case. Yeah. Right. It's not what the Constitution envisions. But it is because like that's where he trips over himself because Congress has the power of the purse. And we all know that. Right. Congress can. Yeah, if they don't the like executive. how the president is using ice, right. they can just defund it. Right. So he like dug his own hole and then like jumped in it. Right. Um, And that's what eight one rulings. Are right. About. Right. Well, and not even that. Like, it's not. Even I wonder why that... no one joined him. You know? Yeah. They were it's like, yeah, just this that is they stupid. could defund it. Not only does Congress have the power of the purse, they also could just change the federal immigration law. Right. They could right. change the underlying law in and right. of itself. Right. It shall be a class E felony to whatever. Yeah. 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 It's just not that difficult. Uh, they they could change it whatever they want. They could change the standard. Right. They could say, hey, immigration uh, isn't. We're gonna we're gonna make a law. That immigration isn't subject to probable cause. And we're going to let you test it against the Fourth Amendment because they're not citizens. So we're not going to give them the, you know, the leisure of probable cause and search and seizure and all that stuff. We're going to say, nope, you get zero uh, on that. We're just going to start arresting people. Right. That would probably not pass muster, but Congress could try it. They have the ability. They have the authority to try it. Uh, so, yeah, it's just sort of as a. Uh, the late uh, Scalia would would have written uh, pure applesauce by Alito on this one, I believe. That's good. All right, let's move on to uh, the big one. And now the big one. All right, the big one is Russia. Is this Russia? This isn't Russia, uh, at least in terms of the 2024 uh, politics and what it means for what we have in front of us. So uh, the questions that I have in order, and then I'll get to a little summary is impacts on smaller local races, impacts on Congress, impacts on president, right? For 2024. So the recap here, uh, and I'm going to do this in a way that hopefully is understandable, whether you've been paying attention or care about international news or not. Uh, if you've seen, um, Game of Thrones, this will probably make a little more sense. If you haven't, this might make no sense. Uh, trying to follow this, I swear to God. Did you ever read Crime and Punishment, Sean? Dostoevsky? No, I think I have a really cool-looking old copy of it, but I... Yeah. No. Um, I tackled it one summer, and it's the only book I read that summer because it's this translated Russian, and they use... all. There's, like, formal and informal names in Russian, but they're different names, basically, and so you're trying to, you have to kind of track all the names and it's just, it's a very, very good book, 
but it's extremely hard to read for that reason. And that's kind of what this felt like because there's all these names floating around and who's what and who's where. So uh, Wagner is like the golden company in Game of Thrones. Okay. It's this mercenary group that it's a private force, uh, but the, the guy running it, uh, this pro Pragoizen, 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 yeah, Pragoizen, Uh, So he's a like a Russian general, but he's got this private force basically, uh, and you know the, this is a force of like convicts, right? Like this is like hard dudes who get hired and paid money to go be mercenaries, uh, and basically that group is looking at it thinking they got sold out by these other generals, and so. He turns around his force, estimated twenty five to fifty thousand marches to Moscow. Moscow starts setting up defensive positions. Basically, within twenty four hours, there's some kind of negotiation. We don't really know what happened. Uh, and Prigozhin turns around, turns the Wagner group around. They leave the southern command city and set up again. And so now we're just kind of left to speculate about the deals or the threats or the assurances, whatever it is that left Putin in power and the Wagner group heading back. Um, highly recommend if you want to get deep on this stuff, check out the coverage from Richard Engel from NBC. He's their chief international correspondent, super duper smart guy uh, on that stuff. And uh, there's a lot of good threads out there on this. I do have a, a shout out uh, here to uh, follower Brandon Boyd on Twitter. <laughs> he uh, he tweeted one of these videos of these tanks just rolling through the street in uh, Rostov and he he tweeted, don't pull that thing out unless you plan to bang outcast bombs over Baghdad. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, I thought that was that was pretty well. What the, what have you pulled from this? And then let's let's filter it through the, you know, the races for 2024. And because it's not just this issue, right? This is sort of a flashpoint in this broader Russian Ukrainian issue. But it, this feels like one of those moments where the tide could really shift on us you know feelings toward this whole thing uh what what are you seeing and what are you taking from this so far yeah i mean well when you put it that way you know what am i seeing what i was thinking all weekend was you know this is a russia that i have heard about and read about from decades ago but this is not a russia that we've ever seen in our lifetime right. except when we were like little kids you know like uh boris yeltsin was the first democratically elected uh leader of russia he's the guy one before putin right <laughs> putin got the job after him and never gave it up um, boris yeltsin who we probably knew as kids because of like snl right because like daryl right. daryl hammond and really even phil hartman doing bill clinton talking to boris right Right. Yeah. And I mean, I was, I think, a super early nerd. So like I, some of my first memories of like being aware of the outside world are like of learning about Boris Yeltsin, learning about Yitzhak Rabin in like 1995, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, someone challenging Putin like that, um, you know, does not happen the way that they actually were marching on Moscow. That's fucking crazy. Um, and, you know, the the big dynamics, you know, I think there's no, you know, only the U.S. intelligence can kind of, you know, really predict what's going to happen from here. And that's kind of an, an um, encouraging thing. Like there was an explosion of 
communications that the U.S. was able to pick up, you know, between texts and phone calls and all right. these, you know, um, all this chatter that would have like video messaging that was just going out, basically. Right. Right. So, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it's, you know, it's a positive step in the war. It's a weakening of the uh, of the worst, you know, uh, you know, combatant in this in this conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Right. You know, I think that when it comes to 2024, um, what we're about to see at the behest of the Democrats, Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, and Joe Biden, and senior Democrats, as well as Republicans like Will Hurd and Chris Christie, um, is that anyone who, you know, the GOP is really uh, fueled right now by anti-China um, right. energy and, you know, this idea of confronting China. Biden and his administration have been keen to demonstrate that they are just as tough on China as anyone else and have been the entire time. Right. Rescheduled and, the, di the diplomatic trip for uh, what Blinken. And then in the meantime, China uh, Biden's on a microphone at a, I think a fundraiser basically saying the Chinese leader is a dictator. Right. And while we're having Narendra Modi over for this big state dinner, which right, like right, right. as a, you know, of India. uh, yeah, bleeding heart progressive, you know, I was appalled that he was invited. And then, you know, he has a horrible, a horrible, a horrible record on human rights and like, right. you know, bringing back caste dynamics and violence and things and um, uh, violence against journalists. Um, They're talking about that India. on Washington week that just just the, the the gasps basically on the looks of the Indian reporters when he stood up to the microphone and took a live question that he's never right. done it before. Right. Ever. And he did it yeah. in America that he like, that's what gets set up by this state dinner is this guy has to get on a hot mic in front of reporters and actually answer a question. And in India, that's just not like, you know, people talk about the United States, Oh, you know, the first amendment, the freedom of the press. And, you know, the Democrats want to squash it. And it's like, you, you, you folks are not paying attention to international politics at all because the, the idea, like this show, right. If you tried to do something like this in India, we'd just get arrested. Right. Right. No. Yeah. It would not be allowed. Yeah. And it is pretty cool that, that, you know, that that happened. And, um, and, you know, India is a big buyer of Russian oil. India right. is a partner of China in backing Russia. Right. So, you know, for those voters who are concerned about foreign policy and what's happening in the world, and they want a competent leader in the commander of chiefs spot, um, it's going to, I think this is, we're going to continue to see this develop. And I think people are going to get smarter about it. Um, Right. You know, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump's position on Ukraine is pure applesauce. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so and that's not going to fly um, looking ahead, especially as Chris Christie and Joe Biden connect Russia with China more and more explicitly. Right. right. And especially we're not necessarily, you know, in the the Real Housewives, you know, primary stuff right now. But I do. I, I agree with like you and Rachel on Christie, like he's probably not going to be the guy, right? I don't think he's necessarily going to get the nomination, but I, I don't know that he cares. Like, I think he's sort of happy to be a guy who's there to kind of call bullshit and sort of try to keep a record of actual stuff. Right. And, and make sure that we're talking about what reality is. And, uh, you know, it's a guy who knows how to bring a good argument and, and do exactly what you're talking about. He, he could in two or three minutes on a debate stage, connect those things together for folks in a you know probably in a salient and understandable way yeah totally and on christy you know i've never i've always uh picked on the people who are you know kind of like uh have a knee-jerk reaction that christy's not a contender mm -hmm. um 
Because like there was everyone said that when he announced, they acted like he wasn't even going to be able to make it to the debate stage because you need 40,000 donors. Right. It's like we send out texts to 130,000 donors all the time. And like, right. My clients are not nearly as well known as Chris Christie. Right. right, right. <laughs> um, oh, so, yeah. I think he's definitely a contender. I'm just not, you know, I, I'm no, not imagining right. that he's going to walk away with it or anything like that. It is interesting. If it becomes a key issue, then he would be the leader. And he came, you know, he went from 1% a few weeks ago to 5% now. He leapfrogged right. all the candidates who have no position on this stuff. Um, yeah, he's basically now running a heat for third behind Biden and DeSantis or uh, Trump and DeSantis. Um, and and we, we're still, you know, we, we don't really have good polling yet to show the full impact of the, of the Trump legal troubles. Right, right. And, uh, you know, so on this on the Russia stuff, you know, I watched Chuck Todd earlier today. <laughs> and, uh, um, I was texting you. Uh, I don't know said, what's like, harder. Like I, me watching Fox last week or you watching Chuck Todd today. Well, I don't know why it is. Like, I don't think we get this week, like ABC this week with George Stephanopoulos. I can never find it in the mornings on the, <laughs> on the TV. It's annoying. I watched a lot of it on YouTube today. Cause it was, it's so much better. Um, but Chuck Todd was uh, he had Anthony Blinken on the secretary of state and he was talking about like China and Russia and China and Cuba and something about like, you know, is China going to put a missile base in Cuba? And, you know, Blinken, you know, offers a very diplomatic answer. He's the secretary of state. Uh, and then Chuck Todd thinking he's like all hot shit says something like, are we going to make sure it doesn't happen? <laughs> and uh I wish Anthony Blinken would have just said, don't be a fucking child, Chuck. <laughs> uh, or I wish he would have said, yes, we are. And then watch Chuck go, does that mean you'd go to war with China? Right. Yeah, sure. We'd go to war. Uh, does that mean nuclear weapons to keep a base out of Cuba? Yeah, right. Chuck, sure. Just watch him go apoplectic. Like, <laughs> But uh, where was it? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, but Chuck had another piece of... So he hauls in a Republican congressman in a district Joe Biden won, a guy named Don Bacon, who seems somewhat serious, is on armed services. And, uh, you know, Chuck Todd, you know, cannot keep it serious. Um, he's talking about foreign policy with this congressman. And then, it, you know, he wraps it up by hauling out this poll and saying, hey, you know, uh, even though most voters are uh, about the same, 40 percent think they'd be more likely to support someone who um backs ukraine um you know gop voters are are two to one less likely um you know to vote for someone who who strongly backs ukraine and so chuck todd's like so what do you think don you know is this trouble because don bacon was serious and like yeah we need to counter these fascists um but anyway if you're so 52 percent of gop voters are saying that they're less likely to support someone who backs Ukraine. Right. So what that means is if you try to actually do something with that number, then that would mean Lauren Boebert, right? So she's running right. out here in Colorado. She's going to have a, a tough race. She's also going to have a GOP primary. So if she only got 52% of GOP voters, because she's the one who's less likely to be on the Ukraine side. So let's see, she has the you know, the stronger position in the GOP, but if she, it's only half GOP voters who feel right. that way. So right. she would get her ass handed to her if right. she went with the 52% of right. GOP. If 48% of GOP, so essentially half of GOP voters back the Ukrainian side of that conflict. 
that right. would tell you that and and a huge number of democratic voters do so that would tell you it stands to reason that roughly 75 percent of all voters right. back right. the ukrainian side right and you know, we've seen polls do really weird stuff, especially since Trump came out, you know, with from the very beginning, the inauguration, right. you know, asking people, uh, you know, what they thought about who was lying. And so, you know, when 52 percent of GOP voters say that they'd be less likely to support someone who backs Ukraine, you can also interpret that as those voters identifying support of Ukraine as the Democratic right. policy right. Right. and and then saying like, no. I'm on the other side. Right. So what it tells um, us is 48% of GOP voters understand the difference between party politics and issues. Right. Right. Exactly. So go. anyway, um, yeah, it's a weird, you know, it's a much more complicated time in, in, in history and in, in the world yeah. than I think a lot of these Republicans um, act like. I think that's a fair place to, uh, to leave it. Thanks for hanging out, man. Thanks for recording with me. And, uh, Rachel uh, had a, a vacation this week, so we hope that she is resting well, and we will, I'm sure, have her back soon. Uh, we won't have any episodes next week at all, uh, the July 3rd through whatever that Friday is. Uh, so uh, there'll be one uh, repeat episode from 2021 where we do an, a really fun draft of patriotic movies for fourth of july i think sean and rachel and i did that together uh so i'll, I'll get that out dust it off and and put it back out because it's it's a fun one and it's a great way to pass some time uh you know during the week of the fourth and, and uh, if, especially if you haven't heard if you're new to the show uh we sometimes we don't just talk about really serious stuff so <laughs> <laughs> sometimes right all right man we'll see you later cool see ya the Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show. <laughs>